Welcome back to 5050 Films. I'm Peter. And I'm Autumn, and this week we watched two X-Men movies. Do you remember, Peter, when we watched the first X-Men? I do. I'm just asking if you... Like what week we watched the first X-Men? Or what month, I guess. It wasn't that long ago, I don't think. Unless it was before we watched our Oscar movies. What would you guess? I think we watched it in an off week during the Oscar thing. So what month? I don't remember when we scary did that. Just, February? We watched March? it. It was the very last movie we watched in January. Really? I know. When I saw that, I was like, it does not feel like we watched it that long ago. Interesting. But now we're all cut up with this particular trilogy, right? This is a Yes, trilogy? so we're splitting the X-Men into separate trilogies, because that's how they are thematically split up. There's these three, like the first movies. Um, they actually filmed them kind of like how, you know, comics get rebooted all the time, right? So you'll have, like, I don't know, three or four different comics that have Wolverine in them, maybe, at any given time. And I think that's kind of neat how they did that, because... They started putting these movies out and then putting other movies out alongside them. Um, so the next trilogy we're going to watch is the Wolverine trilogy, which contains uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine, the movie called Wolverine, and then the movie called Logan, which is that trilogy. Okay. So, so it should be interesting. The movies we're going to be talking about this week are X2 and X3. X2 is also called X-Men United. And X-Men 3 is more often called X-Men The Last Stand. That is really weird. Yep. <laughs> anyway, we're going to start with X2. It was the best one. Do you also think it was the yeah, best one? Yeah, I think X2 is the best X-Men movie. At least out of the ones I've watched so far. Uh sort of a precursor to whenever we end up watching First Class, Days of Future Past, Apocalypse, that trilogy. I've only seen First Class. I have not seen the other two. People really like Days of Future Past as well. Okay. Just fun. It's like, it's weird that the second movie is always the best one. It's like, the first one's them trying to get into their stride. Mm -hmm. Maybe hitting it at the end of the movie. The second movie's like, ah, we're in the stride. And the third movie's like, how do we wrap this up? And then they completely blow it. And we will get to that. But first, yeah. let's talk about X-Men United. This movie starts out with a White House attack. And we have this crazy new mutant that we're seeing for the first time called Nightcrawler. He's got these, what, like angelic symbols all over his body. He's blue or purple. Yeah, he's the, got them, they're, they're like, uh, you know how uh, certain tribes in Africa will do the like stab tattoos where they like cut themselves and have a mm -hmm. scar perfect permanently like that mm -hmm. those are his because he's so dark blue that a tattoo wouldn't really show so he's got those the symbols like every time he sinned he says yeah he carved another symbol into his skin and let it heal but they let you think that he's going to be the villain because the movie opens up with him breaking into the white house and trying to attack the president and his power is so cool and this whole scene is so cool solely because it shows off this power but he's able to just like how do you even describe it? Like, reappear in a different spot. He's teleporting. Teleporting? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the comics, the the um, onomatopoeia for that is BAMF. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's it's, a, it's either B-A-N-F or B-A-M-F. It's uh, a BAMF. I like that. a couple that. Fs at the end. I like, like that. We later find out 
that he's not actually evil. It is someone in the White House. Stryker. Does Stryker work for the White House? Mm, yeah, he's a government guy. He's one of the uh, military technology people. So after this little introductory scene, we're then brought back to Xavier's school for all of the mutants, which is what we kind of established in the first movie. <laughs> Logan returns to the school after he's been at a place called Alkali Lake. Yes, which canonically is the birthplace of Wolverine Wolverine, where he gets all his adamantium. He's not right. born there. He's not a full experiment. He's a mutant that they put adamantium in successfully. Right. But he goes there and he doesn't find anything. No. So he goes back to the school. Yeah. He finds the abandoned uh, upper facility. That's right. That's right. Um, Magneto, at this point, is still in his prison. Which is what? Like a plastic box? Is it plastic? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they have him in this this wacky plastic box Because there thing. can't be any metal because he the, controls the metal. The facility is, has no metal in it at all. So he's trying to break out of there. Yes, he's trying to break out of plastic jail. And a, just a reminder from the first movie that Magneto's whole thing, so many people want all of the mutants to like be killed or put into hiding. Magneto's thing is he's saying everyone should be mutants, like the humans should be punished. The Brotherhood of Mutants is his his group. Okay. Yeah, like the the he 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 finds them to be superior to humanity. Which I mean, fair enough, they can do stuff. <laughs> yes, but also it's really weird that he would take this tack since he was, I mean, Magneto, um, the has the tragic backstory, and I'm pretty. I don't remember if Xavier in the comics was also a Holocaust survivor, or I don't think he is in the in this movie series. I know Air, uh, Magneto definitely is because yeah. in the first movie they showed that little yeah. bit of backstory for him. Um, but he's a Holocaust survivor, and he he knows a lot about being marginalized and put into a group and then like exterminated mm-hmm. basically, and that's like a lot of his rhetoric is based around that the idea that he's he's afraid that the mutants are going to be you know, rounded up and... Treated you know, the same way, yeah. Yeah, treated in that similar fashion, that persecution, which is endemic throughout all of the X-Men franchises, really, um, which is interesting. Um, and, and it's just a really cool, like, you know, it's, it's like their constant conflict is that people were afraid of them. Right, right. Like, they're, they're superheroes that people are like, ah, about, instead of, like, the rest of the MCU where they're superheroes that people are cool with. Yeah. You know, um... Which is interesting. I, I should say MCU because it's not the cinematic universe; it's the yeah. Marvel universe. But anyway, that's interesting because you know you see Captain America and Thor and them like destroying entire cities in battle. I don't think I've really seen Logan ruin anyone's, you know, crush anyone's house or anything. Yeah. Anyway, so Striker has the serum thing. That he uses on mutants to mm-hmm. kind of control them, get what he wants out of them. And he uses that on Magneto while he's in his prison. So that he can find out where Cerebro is, which is what Professor X uses to yes. locate mutants for it's his school. Machine slash helmet setup yes. that he sits in and can connect himself to everyone on the planet. Helps him find things. He wants to be able to find all of the mutants. Mm-hmm. And if he does that through Cerebro, if they are all located at the same time, they're instantly exterminated, right? Yeah, he so, can kill them. Yeah. He can, he can use his mind powers to kill them telepathically. 
So really, Stryker's trying to trick Xavier into killing everyone. Yes. But there's a bit of a, a fault in his plan when Mystique figures out how to break Magneto out of his cell. Which is pretty... She plays the long game there. It's very interesting. I remember reading... I read the novelizations of all these movies because I was a bored child at one point. And, uh, yeah, the particularly graphically depicted scene of how he gets injected with all of the iron and then how all the iron is pulled out of him. You see it in the movie, but it's more brutal in the book. I think I'm okay with how it was depicted in the movie. I didn't need more brutal. Hmm. Too much iron in your blood. Yeah, so Mystique meets up with this guy at a bar. The guy, he finds, Magneto finds out the name of the, or no, someone finds out the name of the. I think Mystique does. Yeah, she must. The name of the guard, right? Yeah, so she she breaks in the Pentagon, finds out the name of the guard in Magneto's prison, finds him at a bar, injects him with extra iron, right? Mm-hmm. Tries to seduce him. Well, in the bathroom, and that's how she gets him knocked out yeah. so that she can do Drugs the injection. Him. Yeah. And then Magneto is able to pull that iron out of his blood. Mm-hmm. When the guard comes in, and that's how he escapes. The scene is really cool. Mm-hmm. Just the way he goes about it, because he ends up like making this little metal platform for himself he, that he, he like yeah. floats away on. He turns the iron into three little metal ba- ball bearings, and then just proceeds to shred the facility with them. Mm-hmm. And then he's got there's this big gap between where he's standing and the the exit area, and he. Uh, he he just like turned like makes one of them into a little platform. It was epic. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. cool. That's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. I think I love Mystique as a character. I find her really cool. I found her very intriguing in the first movie, but I feel like she really. Actually, honestly, I think she her she gets time to shine in both movies pretty equally. But her power is so cool because she can just shift. She shape shifts into anyone she wants. She's a, she's a very classic mutant that they would have been fools to uh, not include. And uh, when we get to the, the third trilogy, it's played by Jennifer Lawrence. Really? Mm-hmm. I think I knew that, actually. Interesting. Very interesting. So then Magneto and Mystique actually end up teaming up with Professor X and his mutants, correct? Is that accurate? In X2? Yeah. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, I guess they do. Yeah, in order to assault the facility, because yes. neither of them be able to do it alone. There's, like, a lot of... And the know. facility is Alkali Lake. Yes. So we end up all the way back at Alkali Lake by the end, so that they can... <laughs> what exactly are they doing at Alkali Lake? Uh, well, the professor has been uh, captured at this point. Right. Um, professor, right. professor Xavier went to go see Magneto as a visit uh, with Cy- Cy- Cyclops. And then they were, they were both like attacked and sedated, right? Right, right. Um, and then uh, X twenty three, I think, uh, is the uh, crazy. <laughs> She's like the crazy like uh, Wolverine analog lady who ha- who can like super extend her nails. Yeah. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, there's a. She's also under his. Yeah, spell, she's right? under his mind control. Yeah. Um, she was another one of his experiments. So then we find out that, uh, you know, 
Logan was cr- his created by a striker, right? Yes. That's at that point we kind of figure that out, and he's like, and he's still got the oh my god, the amount of times they cut to that adamantium bubbling away in the crucible. Yeah. It's so Chekhov's gun of them to just be like, uh, remember, there's boiling adamantium right here, <laughs> the metal that when it solidifies, you can't, you can't do anything to it. It's really crazy to even get it melted in the first place. <laughs> like, you just know. When, I, when As soon as they, like, cut to that the first time, I was like, oh, yeah, he uses that. I, I think I remember him, like, you know, either dunking her face in it, which probably wouldn't be PG-13, or what he mm-hmm. ends up actually doing to kill X-23. This is just, like, stab her with one of the needles, and it injects a bunch of liquid adamantium into her body and kills her. Yeah. Which is crazy, because she has regen, but it's not as good of regen as Wolverine. Right. They have to have regen in order to be... Um, to, to have the adamantium in, embedded in them, right. it just like, you know, wouldn't work either. Wouldn't work. This is cra- Is it? I think it's in this movie. He gets shot in the head, right? Yeah. Is that yeah. This one? So this movie, we also see some of the kids. Yes. Uh, doing more stuff. So Rogue, who was like kind of the object, like the the MacGuffin lady in the first movie, um, we see her as just a student now, and with Bobby, Iceman. Um, Pyro. John Pyro, uh, and uh, you don't really see Kitty very much. No, she's more on you the You see next her one. just a little bit, because um, the, the school is attacked by Striker's goons. Right. Um, and then, you know, amidst that, they capture, like, 12 of the kids or something, and all the other kids escape through different tunnels and stuff like that. And Wolverine is there at the time. He's, like, the only adult in the building. Yeah. Um... Yeah, we get to see you get to see Colossus for the first time, which is mm-hmm. so dope. Colossus is super cool. Um, I love love that guy. Um, yeah, it's it's really really entertaining to like see all these different mutant kids get attacked by this crazy spec ops group, and then watch Wolverine like realize they're there, <laughs> and then just start murdering them like one by one as he trying to tries to make his way, you know, figure things out, keep Bobby safe. Very cool. There's also this moment where you where it seems like Bobby is like jealous of Wolverine because Rogue really likes Wolverine. She sees him as like half of like like it's like a semi dad figure, right, to her. Um, <laughs> and uh, she uh, she like she sees him, and then at some point, uh, Bobby picks up on the fact that Logan likes Jean Grey. And then he's like, oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's fine. <laughs> they, they kind of become buddies. Yeah, they, they like, he like cools down his root beer for him or something. Yeah, he I like love that pulls scene. a root beer out of the cupboard, and he like just looks at it, hands it to Iceman, and just like blows down the neck, and it just like, you know, ices the sides of the glass. It's really funny. I love, I love seeing that, like, those little things they the can do with those powers. powers. Yeah, yeah, like just... You know, if we didn't have to be fighting people for our lives all the time, here's what we would actually do with this, you know? Yeah. That's always really entertaining. This movie just, I think it had the best fighting scenes out of any of the ones that I've seen. Um, Stryker was an intriguing villain because we know he's someone from Wolverine's past, but Wolverine's dealing with that amnesia, so we're we're all in the dark with Wolverine as well as he's trying to figure this out. Um, I do want, I did really want 
Wolverine to just back off Scott's lady. <laughs> that was um, a little annoying to me. It, it's something that's in the comics, too. Like, Of course it they is. Both, everyone loves a love triangle. They both really are really into Jean, and she's pretty into both of them. But you usually pick Scott because he's more stable, you know, in a lot of stuff. But Wolverine still tries, you know. Oh yes, he does. <laughs> he 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 tries his best <laughs> to to get her to like decide she likes him, and he's not like super like you know pushy pushy about a lot of it, generally, right? Uh, I don't know. He's really quick to go with it whenever yeah, it seems like, like she's she's about to come on to him, but he's not like you know like you know locking her in a corner and stuff like that, and like you know. Trying to... I guess. Well, she'd never like him. Before. Wolverine doesn't get rapey, is what I'm saying. No, I agree with that. He's not, he's not super statement. creepy about it. He's I... just like a... He's pretty thirsty, but he's not really creepy. <laughs> okay, if that's the statement, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, so then we need to talk about the ending, because Jean Grey has a big ending in mm-hmm. this one. So in order to save them, because of course Magneto and them get out on a helicopter, right? Yes, and they, they of course turn sides they're not loyal to them. they only work together for a little bit yeah. it's, it was you know, it was a it was a fine co-workers of convenience yes situation yeah. and we also see pyro flip over to one to wanting to work for magneto he's a dipshit yeah uh he's, he's a dick <laughs> um and but then we also see uh you know they're they're escaping on the on the jet right the X jet, mm-hmm. and uh, there's they're trying to get it in the air and something breaks because there's a, a missile blew up behind it at some point and they're still trying to fix it I suppose, um, and so Jean Grey has to go out and stem this massive tide of, of water that's coming. There's a dam broke, Bakalai Lake's dam broke, and uh, it's just like blasting towards him. She's like she holds it off, but she's outside and. She, like, forces the jet to start and, like, gets them out of the way, and then it crushes her, right? And that's the big, like, the end. Like, oh. But in the end, you see something under the water. Yeah, something swirling under the water. The phoenix. That's right, and we'll talk more about the phoenix when we get to the last stand, but first we're... Before we go into our break, I mean, you, you, we, we both heard talking. We really like this movie. This is a really yes. well done X Men movie. I've actually found it harder to talk about than I thought it would, and I think it's because it is mainly just action scenes. Yeah, it's a really solid. Just it's also hard to describe the second movie in a trilogy. It's like the people we met before are doing things. Some new guys. That's not the last thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm kind of bummed that they that this is the only movie we see Nightcrawler in. He's not in the next one. I heavily agree with. It was that. very sad. He's a very he's a great character, Kurt Wagner. Um, he's so good. I want a Nightcrawler movie. Yeah, he's great in the in the the animated series too. They do this little thing where they're like, oh, some crazy dudes bopping all over the place, and he's like, they like go rescue him from I don't know Prague or something. But uh, yeah, it's uh, I think it's kind of a shame that we don't see him again. Um, but I mean, I guess they couldn't have two blue guys in the next movie. It would be a little too weird. Uh, and they do reference, um, Beast. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this movie as well. Um, but they don't, you don't get to see him. So you're not sure if he's actually associated with Xavier and stuff in the X-Men, although you know. Anyone who knows what Beast's actual name is, right? 
I think it's like Hank something. Yeah, it's Hank. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's very cool to to like to get this movie is just so well done. It's a very concise plot. There's a couple little micro twists in in there where it like makes keeps it interesting. They knew what they they need, like they they like have the thing they want to go to and then they they get there, which is really nice. And I think that's why it's probably the best one in that trilogy. It's just like you've already everyone's established already, so you don't have to waste time on introductions really. And then we just get a cool couple comics of action sequence, which you yeah. can kind of see, and like the 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 story wraps itself up. Yeah, I agree. While leaving that little bit of phoenix for the third one. All right, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt for the segue, but go ahead. Well, now you have to do a segue. Oh, well, segue. you know, uh, we watched other stuff this week, too, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. <laughs> so, uh, for Media Break this week, I'm going to start this time. Um, I haven't really... I haven't gotten... I actually did continue reading... Um, don't remember which book it's... Which, it's the second to the last book in the Expanse series. I know the last one's called Leviathan Falls. I think this one might be Persepolis Rising. Um, if it's not Persepolis Rising, it's... If there's one after Persepolis Rising, it's that one. Either way, um, I'm kind of excited for it. Uh, the main cast is all... They're all, like, insurgents at this point because this crazy uh, Laconian Empire has taken over and, and uh, kind of like, really destroyed a lot of Earth stuff and, like, the old inner planets things and even the outer planets stuff that really dominated a lot of the, um, conflict in the first and second, or in, like, the first books of the series. Um, it's very good so far. Um, I can't wait for, to have more time to work on it, because uh, I'll probably finish it up in, like, a day or two if I really can, like, drill into it, and then I'll be able to read the last book, just kind of try to chain them together. But that's been really good. Um, and I may have more time because, uh, to date this podcast, uh, my car broke down today, so I don't have anywhere to go for the next two days <laughs> while they figure it out at the, uh, at the mechanic. So we'll see, we'll see what happens, but I, I'm going to try to read a lot tomorrow, after, uh, you know, interspersed with the actual stuff I have to do on my computer. Um, that should be pretty fun. Um, <clears throat> I was able to start that because I finished Cyberpunk 2077 a video game that I started at the beginning of the semester, and I remember talking about a little bit on the on those episodes, but I wasn't really able to like put a lot of work into. Um, at a certain point, I got too busy with school and just playing this. I I, I had kind of wanted to play more of my friends watching at the time. Um, I got over that, um, and I just sort of started to to work on the game uh, on my own because I wanted to get it done. Right? I didn't really. I I figured some people would probably tune in for the end. Which did happen. That's the people that talked to when I played through the, like, the last mission of the game. Um, but I did like all the side quests I could, like possibly could, and then did a couple other things, finished some stuff up. It was very good. Um, that I a lot of people really shit on that game. Um, honestly, for good reason. When it came out, it was a disaster. It was so poorly optimized. Um, everything was broken. Uh, it seemed like for all the delays that it had received. They still did not have nearly enough delayed and extra time to make it happen. Um, games are just, at this point, like big open world games, big ambitious open world games even. Um, like, I'm not talking about Assassin's Creed stuff because that's pretty uh, boilerplate. They can just sort of, like, 
change the skins of some stuff. They're not reinventing the engine or anything like that. But for big, ambitious games, it's like a five to seven year cycle at this point, which is really sad as a person because I only live so many years and it'd be nice to be able to play more and more of these really cool sounding games, you know? Um, but I understand, you know, this stuff's really difficult. Crunch is awful for people's mental health and their emotional health and like family health, basically. Um, but either way, I didn't buy it on release, so I didn't have any of those launch day issues that everyone else had. I didn't have any of those problems. I actually picked it up when it was 50% off right after I built my PC uh, because I knew it's, it is um, very classically super hard to run. Like, they actually removed it from the PlayStation Store for a while because PS4s just could not run it. Same with Xboxes. Like, it was just would not run on consoles. And... I knew I'd be able to run it on the new PC, so I picked it up just to have fun with it, and I actually really, really liked it. Um, the cyberpunk franchise has just been this sort of fascinating, and, and cyberpunk genre in general, because this is a, a, a franchise that both spawned and is semi-named after the genre, right? The original sort of genre of cyberpunk is like William Gibson novels and William's... And, uh, Neil Stevenson novels and and uh, jo Johnny Mnemonic and things like that, like these these crazy old movies and and um, Blade Runner, like that sort of thing, like that sort of invented cyberpunk, this dystopian hypercapitalist future sort of thing, where like corporations kind of run the show more than the government does, and in fact, in most of these things, the government has like dissolved, and in Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, each state is basically its own government, which is crazy. Um, so you, you're in Night City the whole time, um, which I think is some kind of analog. You're in California. I think it's supposed to be, I mean, I, I don't think it's supposed to be designed off of Los Angeles or San Francisco or anything like that, but there's, it, it is like a very, like a, like a big mega city kind of thing in, uh, in California on the coast. It's really interesting. There's a lot of really cool, like, um, One of the other things they talk about, just to kind of, you know, fix my own stall there, um, is like transhumanism kind of stuff. They don't really talk about the concept of transhumanism. That's more relegated to like games like Deus Ex, which is another cyberpunk franchise or cyberpunk themed franchise. Um, but you know, people just get augmentations constantly. It's like pretty. It's it's a normal, accepted part of life that you're not going to be a biological human. You're going to have a lot of put parts of you that are like mechanical, or you know, complete some function. Like you can extend your life by having your God. Even your blood vessels can be like some sort of plastic metal mesh thing that you know lets you you know keep kicking till like the age of 150 or something like that, um, which is. A wild concept and it's really cool to read about sci-fi wise and it was really cool to like to live a character that was in that universe and of course the 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 story of cyberpunk 2077 is you are v um no matter what life path you choose you are um sort of kicked into this heist um because of certain things that happen to you to steal this biochip from these big wigs at the Arasaka Corporation, which is one of the most powerful corporations in the world. Um, you steal this biochip from them, and the biochip contains the engram, or the personality construct, of Johnny Silverhand, this legendary rocker, punk, terrorist. Because 50 years ago, 
Johnny Silverhands detonated two nukes inside the Arasaka Tower in Night City and blew the entire tower and a couple blocks around it to rubble as a um, as like a as an activist statement against corporations because he's very anti-corpo. And it was really cool to like play through, like get to that story, because when you steal his chip, you have to put it in your head, and then you get shot, and the chip starts to overwrite you with Johnny Silverhand's personality. So you constantly see Johnny Silverhand, who's played by Keanu Reeves, um, pop up constantly throughout the series. Like it, whenever you start if, after that episode, uh, or after that like thing that happens, every time you do a mission, he'll like at some points pop up and just comment on it and like say some things. You might talk to him a little bit, and it's really interesting to just see him like. Like go through the whole thing. I I think some people complain about his voice acting. I thought it was very good for like the fact that like just who so Johnny Silverhands is. It's kind of gruff, um, but it was really interesting, and I really had a good time playing it. I think in all, I probably put almost a hundred hours into it, um, just over a period of a few months. Um, but yeah, it was it was really well done. It was really good. Um, and then, and it's done, and I'm, I'm finished with it, so now I can work on reading those books, um, put a good couple hours into that, and then finish up Invincible, and then I'm pretty much all set for my, like, book goals that I wanted to read. Or book and, like, just the media stuff that I kind of had on hold for a little bit, stuff that I want to just finish up so that I can, like, move on to different stuff and not feel like I'm, you know, diverting my attention to the wrong places. Yeah. Together, we're watching season nine of The Great British Baking Show. Yes, we are. Which has been very nice. For some reason, this season of life has just been um, a little bit difficult on us. So, it has been really great to just watch some people be nice to each other and bake some pastries. I'm kind of glad we didn't watch it right when it came out. And because now feels like the perfect time to watch it. We are going to watch Jane the Virgin as our next show. Yes. After we d- finish this, which... My friend Brittany, who listens to this, thank you, Brittany, recommended that we watch, and it reminded me that I had started it forever ago and really enjoyed it and never finished it. So I think it'll be a fun one for us to watch together. I remember I liked the telenovela spoof kind of style of it, so I'm excited to get into that. I have been listening on audiobook to Wolf Hall by Hilary Mantle, which is a story of Thomas Cromwell. It's... In Henry VIII's England, the part that this first book is taking place in at the beginning is right as Henry is about to divorce Catherine of Aragon, who is arguably one of my favorite historical figures. I love reading about her. She's not actually very important in this particular story, but I'm I'm happy to be in that time frame. This, this period of England with Henry VIII is one of my favorite things to learn about and read about. So I have been enjoying listening to that. I have been reading The Maidens by Alex Michaelides for my book club, which is actually on Sunday, so I need to finish that because I think I'm like 100 pages into it, so I have a little bit of work I need to do. But this is about a, a murder that happens in Cambridge, a woman whose niece goes to the school and was friends with the girl who was murdered, who is a the woman, the main character, is a group therapist, so she stays on campus and is kind of trying to figure out what's going on because it seems like there's more going on than the police are finding specifically about a particular professor and this group of girls who are always following him around who call themselves the maidens 
I'm not very far into it. I have a lot more to do before Sunday, so I will get on that. And I have watched so much TV <laughs> since we last recorded. I have watched a decent amount of Fresh Off the Boat. My friend Gina was here over the weekend, and we watched Egret Suko together, which is an anime on Netflix about a red panda who hates her job and sings death metal and drinks beer. And we almost finished that while Gina was here. We were on season two when she showed up, and we are almost done with season four, which is the most recent season that's out on Netflix. And somehow I got really into... Uh, actually, not somehow. It's because of the eyes of Tammy Faye, which I said in our last episode, like, oh, I'll probably forget all about this. And, like, here it is taking over my life. But... I have gotten really into Leah Remini's uh, Scientology in the Aftermath docu-series, which, um, yeah, it's just basically taken over my life. I didn't even know what Scientology was, which is why I got into it, because I was kind of inspired by that whole Tammy Faye thing to be like, how, how do people take advantage of other people through religion? Because you see it happen all the time. But, oh my gosh, I just... It's wild. If you if you haven't watched it or looked into it, I I knew nothing about Scientology. Now I'm telling Peter facts about Scientology all the time. So, which is, you know, maybe not the most useful thing to take up space in my brain, but it's there anyway. And luckily, I think we're small enough to be off their radar. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> luckily. <laughs> my goodness. All right. Let's talk about X3. I have a lot of thoughts. I have an apology to make. Last week when we complained about Multiverse of Madness, I had 100% forgotten that I have actually seen Patrick Stewart die as Professor X three times. <laughs> it's just been so long since X3, and the fact that it's not a memorable movie meant that I totally forgot. And, uh... Really, the only one where it is memorable is Logan, and we weren't going to watch that for a little while, so... Well, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Multiverse of Madness, because my connection with that is, remember how, when we watched that movie, you talked about how the longer you sat with it, the more you disliked it? <laughs> yeah, you remember that? Yes. <laughs> That's how I feel about X3. Okay. I told Peter after we finished it, I was like, this, I was like... I'm so glad we came up with that underwhelming category. This is the perfect example of underwhelming for me. I rated this boring. I was bored out of my mind. And I had a lot of gripes with it, too. It was very just predictable. It didn't do justice to the characters that we've grown to love. It tried to introduce all of these people last minute, and they didn't... I, I wish they would have either made more movies so that everyone got their time, or not added all the extra characters so that we could just get clear-cut endings for the people that we cared about. That's probably my biggest gripe. I loved Cyclops. I think he was my favorite. I was between him and Storm for a while, but I'm, I'm pretty sure Cyclops is my favorite. And They really don't... Cyclops doesn't get a fair shake in any of these movies. I agree, even. because I was thinking... This one pissed me off so much, yeah. the way he dies so instantly. But then as we were talking about the one before this, I was like, wait a second. No, he's barely he's in the actually, movie either. Yeah. yeah. He, uh, he shows up, attacks Jean, and then she fixes him by, like, knocking him over or something. Yeah. Uh, I think 
Oh, you're gonna hate. Uh, you're gonna hate X Men Origins Wolverine too. Um, Cyclops is his superpower is really good, which is a problem um, when you have to fight a bunch of dudes and one guy has a nuclear laser in his face. Well, here we go again. Um, and so like. I, I love Cyclops. I know, but I just because feel his, you're I mean, Superman. He can't control his power, though. Like, Superman is Superman has a nuclear laser in his face, but he can turn it off whenever he wants to and just, like, walk around like a normal guy, x-ray, whatever. Cyclops is forced to wear the glasses. He has to close his eyes to prevent them from hurting people. You know, like, he, he's, like, constantly living... He, and he's done it a lot in his past, and he's, like, constantly living with that, like, regret and the, like, the, the, the gravity of the fact that he can blow holes through anything with his face. Um, and... They have to get rid of him because of that. Because Wolverine's awesome, but Wolverine can attack... Wolverine is a single-target DPS, is what we would call him in a video game, right? He can attack one, maybe two guys close to them, maybe three if he's really lucky. But he's only got hands. He's, like, not ranged. If you've got a dude who can just blast a laser beam, <laughs> like, a quarter mile away, and just, like, move it across a group of, like, enemy mutants, perhaps... He's broken. So so because of that, the, the film the guys are like, well, Cyclops could blow, blow through this wall easy, so they could have get given, him out of here. He could have died in the exact same way he does, though, and still gotten a little bit more justice. It happened immediately. At yes. the beginning of the movie, we find out Jean is alive, like, for real. We pretty much knew that already. And Scott was looking for her, you know, because he's in love with her. And he finds her, and she kisses him, and he blows up. Which I don't think we even see. We just see him start to ripple. I think she eats him. You don't even see his corpse. I didn't know pretty she sure threw she, him in I'm the pretty water. sure she like sucks him up. Like eats him. Ew. Yeah. Oh, you do find Phoenix his... is fucking nuts, man. Yeah, you do see his glasses floating. There's like some rubble floating around and that's how they know something has happened to him. But it is at the very beginning of the movie. Yep. It's just like, oh, Scott's a changed man ever since he lost Gene. And he's riding his motorcycle to the beach, and then he's dead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, like, they, this is how they deal with him. They're like, ah, oh, Scott would be too powerful in this movie. Uh, let's, uh, let, let's kill him, like, immediately. <laughs> let's have Gene do it. I think my problem, and we, I know you have a lot of notes for this movie, so I don't want to cut too much into your notes, but my problem with this movie is that they do too much. They're, they have two villains. Mm -hmm. It is not just Magneto and the boys. It is also Phoenix. Because of the thing they did at the end of the last movie, they, they're like, oh, whoever wrote this was obviously a very big X-Men fan, right? It's very clear that they like X-Men. They should have just not included her at all. Exactly. She, it shouldn't, it, she should have just been Jean Grey the entire time, or, and maybe maybe still killed her at the end. Yeah. Maybe not. But the thing is, Jean Grey is Phoenix, so if you're going to kill her like that, Phoenix is going to come out. And that's the problem. It's like, instead of having some other way to do it, or some other thing, they're like, or, or focusing this movie fully on Phoenix, and neglecting the whole mutant removal serum, plus, you know, Magneto... But that's the problem. Magneto's the bad guy in all the movies, so you can't... And, like, they painted themselves in a corner where they have to address both 
god power level phoenix with Ma- like angry man power level magneto although he is pretty pretty badass especially i really do like pulling the golden gate bridge out of the ground oh, and like awesome. rotating it it's super awesome. cool but th- this thing th- those those two like he she stands next to him during that and then like doesn't do a damn thing until the very end where she like has a conniption and like kills a shit ton of people and blows up alcatraz which is just so bad Jean Grey is one of those or Phoenix not Jean Grey Jean Grey is a normal like power level character because she's got the inhibitors but as Phoenix she's just broken she is like super broken like you think explain explain to them what you mean when you say broken because you've also said this about Scott video game broken where it's like that's too powerful. That's overpowered as hell. That's that is that is so powerful that it is broken because it it is it is clearly not designed to be that powerful. Though she is, you know, that's the comics. But like she is like so so a completely ridiculously powerful that she just I mean she just, she evaporates like three hundred people, just turns into Thanos ash, basically. Almost it's a pretty pretty similar looking Thanos ash even, um, and that's the thing. I'm pretty sure, and I haven't looked at the list in a while, but I'm pretty sure Phoenix is one of those, like, in the top five for most powerful being in the Marvel Universe kind of thing. Mm. Um, Which is a problem, because... (laughs) And this is, like, the Wanda problem, you know? We saw Scarlet Witch totally break everything because she's a reality bender, basically. Now, that's actually... That's not even terminology they would use in Marvel. That's an SCP terminology, which... I mean, I've talked about SCP in the uh, media portions at some points because I like reading that stuff. But, like, reality benders, you know, it's very self-explanatory. She just can rewrite reality and do whatever she wants. But, like, Jean Grey is just so, is, like, is, is like almost a, she's a reality bender as well, pretty much. I mean, she doesn't change the, the uh, composition of stuff like Wanda can, but she, like, just breaks it. They just so have so much destructive power in one person is too much and that's a problem because like you've introduced her already and now she has to be in the movie and now Mm -hmm. after the Magneto thing which was a like bleak but satisfying end to that character Mm -hmm. that now we also have her meltdown which is like this weird icing on the cake fight it doesn't it's like almost like I thought we were done yeah Everything, it, it almost felt like there was a movie missing. Yep. Like there should have been four. Because this last one just felt so rushed. It just was like, it, exactly what you're saying. Like, oh, we have all this stuff we need to include. And it really suffered from a tight-knit plot. Like, exactly how you described X2. Where there's a very clear-cut, clear goal. That was just missing from this? Yeah. This movie is an hour and 44 minutes long. That, I mean, and I know we're used to Marvel movies being long now. That almost makes it seem like there is like 45 to 50 minutes of this movie that should have been shot. And they just didn't do it because it's it was such an early along superhero mm-hmm. movie still. Like, that they're just, they're, there wasn't the expectation that people want to sit in a theater for two and a half hours and watch yeah. The overall idea for this one is very cool. 
And that's that they've created this cure for mm-hmm. being a mutant. And the other part of it that's cool is that they then kind of weaponize it. So they're using it. They can they put it in guns and they shoot it at people. This happens to Mystique later on, which is crazy because Mystique helps Magneto to escape from wherever he is this time. He's with his his boys, as Peter called them. Mm-hmm. The boys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she goes out of her way to like make sure he's okay. And the second that she saw shot with the cure, he leaves her for dead, turns yep. his back on her. She has been so loyal to him, as we talk, just talked about in the first segment, plays this huge long game for him in the second movie just to get him out of his, his plastic prison. And the second that she is not Mystique anymore, he's he's out. It, I mean, like, who better to shoot with the cure, though? Than someone who is fully blue because of her mutation, and you can see the transformation as she loses that. That was a good choice visually. But then also, it it's almost like they're trying to show how ruthless and like, like pseudo like racist even that Magneto is, um, which is I mean that's that definitely shows his like hatred for humanity, mm-hmm. but also it you know it shows him being a total asshole, which doesn't really mesh with later on when we see. When Professor X gets turned into Thanos dust by uh, Phoenix, by by Phoenix, and he's like, like really sad about it. It's like, well, I mean, I guess you know he Charles was a mutant, so is is that the only reason you have any empathy for him? Was because he's a mutant? You've known each other for like fifty years, you know. Like, <laughs> how have you <laughs> at this point, like you know? I don't know. It's ridiculous. The idea of the cure is cool, though, especially when you think about someone who has a power like Rogue does, that this might actually be an attractive option for them. Because Rogue physically hurts people yes. when she touches them. This The Rogue in these movies... In the, in the comics, Rogue can fly and has super strength as well. Um, in these movies, Rogue just has the drain power, which is uncontrollable and like a bad mutation basically like she can take your powers but she's also going to sap your life force which is i mean because she can't fly yeah because this isn't that it's not that related to the comics because you know it's why she has to get it done and then you kind of you understand where she's coming from and she does she said you know like bobby's like i didn't want this because she like you know Mm -hmm. got cured and she's like i wanted this yeah and you can see why she would. Yeah, yeah. And just like you can see why people would not want it. It really, the mutations are all so different that the idea of having a cure is not necessarily a bad thing if you're dealing with something like what Rogue has. But others, um, especially like Archangel, who is the example of... I think he's just Angel. Archangel is when, when he becomes a robot man, which is okay. part of... A, Either way. A, we don't see that. We might see it in... Apocalypse, because I think it attaches to Apocalypse as a character, but yeah, he's just Angel, I think. Right. The guy with wings, that's, you know, very different from Rogue's mutation. He's not hurting anybody. But also, we do see, like, that's the the shocker at the beginning of this movie, is he's, like, grating them away with, like, a... I don't even want to think about that. Like a a garlic grater, you know, like a cheese grater, um, because he's, like, freaked out because it's, like... He, because his father's making him feel like he's a freak. Yeah. Basically. But he's one of the best examples Mm -hmm. of, like, a power that is just harmless, you know? 
Yeah, he. I mean, the man has wings. That's that's it. Full stop. He's got wings. Yeah. <laughs> I did like the the scene of Jean waking up at the school when Professor X is describing the phoenix and everything to Wolverine. I liked the parallel to the first movie with that. And there's even a line in there that that references that. I think Jean says like, "Oh, remember when you were the one on the table?" or something to that effect. I did like the parallel there. Um, <laughs> my my notes are a little uh a little sassy. <laughs> yeah, they are pretty sassy. <laughs> well, I, says, I wrote Wolfie, and I was like, "Who's Wolfie? Wolverine has to kill Gene after the big battle." Uh, that's actually really cool. I think that's that's kind of well done in my in my opinion. I don't know if you didn't like it, but it's one of those things where I'm like, I guess it's cool, but if there had been more time, more space, like, flesh things out. The whole thing is, like, this Phoenix concept is such a huge, in-depth concept that then is just given to you in a short, under-two-hour movie. Like, oh, yeah, Jean, this lady you liked in those other movies, yeah, she also is this evil lady. and um, Evil. Crazy more powerful when she's evil. Yeah, and she's got more power than yeah. anyone, and she's um, gonna kill this, this guy you thought was the most powerful, and... It just, it was too much. It was too much in too little time. It could have been better. Yeah. It's not, I don't have any issue with him killing her. I felt like it was well done, but the, the context and the buildup was just not there. Within, like, two hours, we have found Jean, brought her back to life, and killed her again. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> Basically. It, was, it just feels pretty rushed, but... I think the fact that Wolverine is the only one who can, because he's constantly regenerating. He's got his, like, crazy regen power. And that scene was very cool, when she's, like, trying to take him apart, and he's just coming back together You see every a, time. this adamantium skeleton yeah. that starts to, like, show through his, like, she blasts a bunch of chunk off his shoulder or something. Very cool. And then he, like, you know, he has, he has to do it. Like, she, like, real Jean comes back through for a second, and this like, save me, and... At one point, she told him to kill her already. Yeah, early on. Yeah, and he's just like, he punches through, you know, kills her. And he's yeah. like, you know, yells about it or whatever. You know, the like, I can't believe I had to kill my best friend. Yell or the, my love interest, no. Yeah, that was, that was, that was cool. I really liked that. It's kind of a shame that it was so rushed, but and it felt yeah. so rushed. But it, it, that, that being her death scene would be a great scene if this movie had been constructed a little better to provide to had, make her the villain fully the villain if you had cared more about her yeah i agree yeah. also a gripe is that Iceman is emotionally cheating on rogue this entire movie and never apologizes to her he's holding kitty's hand He's doing all this other... They're going ice skating on the lake. Whatever. I like, totally forgot Elliot Page was in this movie. Yeah, I know. 100%. You I was like, wait, holy shit, is that Elliot Page? I didn't realize that this was, like, one of their first movies that I've seen him in. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I would have recognized him if it wasn't for us having just watched Inception. I, I want to know how old he was in this because he looks young. Like, yeah, younger like, than Inception. Like, teenager young. Yeah. Like, very very convincing young. teenage mutant. And you don't really see Kitty's face in the... You see her briefly Yeah. in the second movie, but I don't know if it's the same actor. I it don't might either. be. But, yeah. No, Kitty Pryde's great. She's like a little... like. 
I could have liked her character more if it wasn't... If it wasn't mostly cheating? Yeah, but if her only point was not to just... (laughs) To be crushing on Iceman and, like, have him him reciprocate the crush. Yeah. Yeah, no. Kitty Pryde's really cool. Like, just the whole, like, walk through walls thing becoming corporeal. Or intangible, I guess, would probably be a better word. Because incorporeal means you don't have a body. But, um... Yeah, it's like... That, that that's a super cool power and the, the way that they use it in the comics is pretty neat too but the the fight with like the juggernaut who that was neat oh uh, juggernaut is i thinking was he deadpool 2 juggernaut's in deadpool 2 i think you're right am i there are a lot of these x-men are in deadpool 2 because they go to the school don't they yeah yeah and then there's like the moment where all the mainline x-men close the door on them yeah we're gonna have to re rewatch this that, <laughs> pretend they're not cool. there the X-Men I really liked that they brought up more. I loved seeing Colossus again. I loved Colossus giving Rogue his power a little bit to protect her from that explosion in the yeah. danger room. That was pretty sick. Um, Colossus is a great character. He really is. He's like... I mean, he's he's more of a comic comic relief guy in Deadpool. But, like, just... He's, like, is a very, like, like we are a family-based character. Like, he's we are family. That's his whole shtick, basically. And, like, the, like, he's in X2, you see him, like, help the other kids get out. <laughs> you see him go metal mode. <laughs> and then the, the guy shoots the darts at him that make the other kids sleep. And it, like, just pings off. And he just throws him through a wall. <laughs> and I, the, that was one of the parts of X2 that I thought was really great. And I love that you get to see him again. Um, I think he's Russian. Uh, I can't remember his last name, but his first name is Peter. Um, but, uh... Yeah, really great character. Kitty Pride's power is really cool. Um, they mentioned Jubilee in X2. Like, she name drops her when they're getting them out of the little prison cell that Strikers had him in. You don't see Jubilee at all in this movie. Kind of sad about that. Loved Hank. Love Beast. Beast, so cool. Beast, particularly cool after he put his X-Men gear back on and just went back to, like, fighting dudes when in the last fight. That was really neat. Uh, but yeah. When it comes to all of that, though, as someone who does not know the comics and the characters, it just felt so random. We yeah. had no context. It was just like the people that I've grown to care about, like Scott's dead, Rogue ran away, Gene's not Gene anymore. Nightcrawler's <laughs> not in the movie. Yeah, Nightcrawler's <laughs> gone. Like he's a really nice character in the last one. Like nice if, guy. If Wolverine's your favorite, you're you'll love all these movies. Yep. <laughs> Do you like Hugh Jackman? Have we got a series for you? <laughs> because he's in all three of these. He's in all three of the next trilogy we're gonna make. I think he's in all three of the last trilogy we're gonna watch. Yeah, he might not be in Apocalypse, but he's definitely in First Class and Days of Future Past. But yeah, you know. Yeah, Peter uh, rated this entertaining, mm-hmm. which I feel like I wonder if it's because you have context. Like I wonder how much that really. <clears throat> Would affect it's it. fun to see them fight each other, you know. I was bored. And I know the characters. And I, I used to, when I, as a child, I used to study the the big DK book of uh, X-Men, like the complete guide to X-Men, and it would show, it, literally each page is a new character, and like told a bunch of the backstory stuff and little little bits and bobs, and it was super fascinating. The coffee table book was a massive thing. The final thing that really bothered me goes back to the fact that Scott dies immediately. It's that nobody seems to care. 
Storm should have been more upset. Mm-hmm. Aren't they, like, best buddies or something? That's how they made a yeah. look in the first movie. Where's Scott? He asks her after she wakes up. Like, no one else is, like, freaking out and wondering where Scott's communicator is. It's like, hmm, did you vaporize Scott? Yeah, Scott was super depressed and went off on his motorcycle, but uh, he'll probably be fine. And you, you just know, you know that Professor X already knows that Scott's dead. Because he can connect you everyone by a cerebro. He, he already has that kind of psychic connection with all the people that work for him. He knows. If That's why he sent him, them there. He's like, Scott's dead. Go check them out. But he doesn't tell them Scott's dead. Because then they'd freak out, you know? Yeah. I just... It's like... <sighs> if you're going to kill him off immediately, at least make them care that he's dead. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild. But I don't know. Yeah. We're going to probably not do superhero movies next week. Unless I get real antsy and make us watch X-Men Origins Wolverine. No, we're taking a break. Okay, okay, that's fine. I'm gonna have to um, pull a... Recuperate. Whatever card I get to pull. (laughs) You're gonna have to, um... You're gonna have to be Wolverine and just sort of regenerate after this one. (sighs) Hey, you know, regeneration, that's a mutation that, you know, a lot of mutants don't have. Wolverine is... At one point, I'm pretty sure Wolverine regenerates out of a clump of cells that's left over after he gets evaporated from a nuke or something. So, he's pretty broken with his regeneration. And then also, um, Deadpool is another one of those characters that can regenerate all the time. Which is good, because he needs it, because he has cancer. (laughs) But, um, he's constantly fighting the new cancer... Um, but yeah, no, uh, I think it's, I, I think it's gonna be real fun. Um, Action Archers Wolverine is a bad movie, and at some point we're gonna watch that, and it's gonna be the next one we watch, and you're not, you're, you might like it, you might not like it. I'm gonna really enjoy the action sequences, and then also cringe at the, uh, storytelling and how they try to make, um, Mutant X, or whatever the, whatever the hell the fake Deadpool thing that they created at the end of that movie is called. That everyone was like, why? <laughs> when it came out. There are really cool action sequences in that movie, though. And some some interesting backstory stuff for Wolverine that I think we're going to really enjoy. You like Wolverine, right? He's fun. Okay, good. Because you're going to need to like him for the next three movies that are all I about like him. I like Hugh Jackman. So. <laughs> Alright. Well, we're, we are going to take a break from X-Men, if not all yeah, superhero A couple movies. weeks. Maybe even one week. Who knows? Maybe we'll feel it after a week. But definitely one week. Maybe a couple more. All right, we'll talk to you next week. See ya.